Hello and welcome to another episode of Everyday Theology, where we connect theological truths to the everyday believer. I'm your host, Ben Campbell, and thanks so much for joining us for an episode entitled The Devotional Life of the Pastor. We're going to be going through several different uh, episodes where we look at the pastor's life and specifically his preaching to uh, reference different points of the process of preparation, the process of study, the process of delivery. And today we're going to be talking about the pastor's devotional life. You see, every preacher's spiritual formation begins with a personal pursuit of the Lord. Martin Lloyd-Jones recommends that a pastor should safeguard his mornings. In other words, instead of taking care of the everyday affairs of the church, he should use his mornings to prepare for the work of the pulpit. However, the doctor does not force such an attitude as necessity. Instead, he gives leniency to prudence and wisdom for one to know his own body and his own self. For example, if a pastor is rather sluggish and not so easy to wake up in the morning, the doctor suggests he, and this is a quote, work out his own program. You know when you can do your best work. So, we're not going to be looking at a descriptive plan to which a pastor should adhere, but instead we're going to be looking at a prescriptive plan of application for the pastor to observe in his spiritual formation. You see, with each personality, different struggles and strengths will be made manifest that the pastor should prudently take into consideration. The Lord gives all preachers certain gifts and abilities to serve His church. However, not all pastors are given the same gift and abilities, nor are they given all of the gifts to act them out in a Christ-honoring manner. Therefore, the spiritual disciplines are put in place for spiritual growth and for the pastor to be able to form his spiritual life as he preaches on a weekly basis to a local congregation. Charles Spurgeon here notes, For the herald of the gospel to be spiritually out of order in his own proper person is, both to himself and to his work, a most serious calamity. If Spurgeon were alive today, I think he would find this comment to ring true of our society. Too often, there is a calamitous spirituality going on in the pastoral study within the four walls of the local church. There is simply not enough Bible intake for the preacher's own soul. Paul David Tripp gives great insight to this as well and shows how pastors can fight the urge of spiritual calamity. He says, You need to preach a gospel to yourself that does not find its rest in you getting it right, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You need to call yourself to rest and faith when no one else knows the, prime, the private sermon is needed. The pastor has an obligation from the Lord to spiritually feed the flock. And this obligation has massive spiritual implications for the local body of believers, but it also have ma has massive implications for the pastor himself. The spiritual life of a pastor spans to dozens and possibly hundreds of people on a weekly basis. And so the pastor's spiritual formation is not only a personal endeavor for his own holiness, but is also to allow the depth of his study and the breadth of his knowledge to be divinely imparted to his congregation. 
However, the foundation on which this process of spiritual formation all starts is simply by the pastor getting into the Word of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones again advocates for every pastor to read the Bible through entirely at least once per year by their own plan or by a plan devised by someone else. He believes this should be a minimum of the preacher's Bible reading each year. Now why? while some might say this viewpoint can be a bit excessive, the purpose is not to simply read the Bible, but the purpose is to know God. Therefore, the Bible is more than just a way to simply select a text to preach, but is a means by which pastors can know God and grow in His likeness as they progress throughout their life in Him. J. Oswald Sanders, however, observes that the spiritual leader should outpace the church above all in prayer. Previously stated, the pastor's spiritual formation is how spiritual growth and formation trickles down into the congregation. You see, leadership is always from the top down, and this principle manifests itself also in spirituality. However, it is possible that prayer is the most neglected spiritual discipline because of how easy and normal it is regarding the Christian life. J.I. Packer has noted that man was made for nothing more than to know God. And so the lack of growth and health in our churches could depend on the lack of prayer coming from the pastor's study and from the pastor's pulpit. If the pastor should only have one other duty other than preaching, it should be to pray. Ronald W. Gotch writes, True, if you want to be a pastor, you must be a prayer. To be either, you must be a person whose knowledge of God is not only academic and authoritative, but intimate and deeply personal. The psalmist shows us this in Psalm 119, 164. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. And so the pastor's relationship to God in prayer is immensely important when it comes to his spiritual formation. Instead of his prayer life only being academic or authoritative, the pastor must also be a person of prayer because he aims to please God through his actions, which also include his own spiritual formation. In his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, Donald Whitney outlines 17 different methods of another aspect of the pastor's devotional life, and that is biblical meditation. However, the most important aspect of Whitney's meditation methods is the distinction between meditation and daydreaming. In other words, meditation is not simply sitting in your chair and staring at the ceiling. As Whitney uh, notes, that's daydreaming, not meditation. Therefore, there is a certain methodizing exercise to meditation that many believers and even many pastors miss when it comes to meditation for their own spiritual formation. Therefore, it is necessary to point out the purpose of biblical meditation. Meditation is ordained by God to re-energize the way the Bible affects your spiritual formation. The Word of God is not meant to be read and forgotten. Moses commands the Israelites to meditate on God's Word when you sit in your house or when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise in Deuteronomy 6-7. And so meditation is to the Christian as cud is to a cow. Just as a cow chews and regurgitates his food, so should the Christian, 
figuratively, of course, regurgitate the word as he ingests it. The psalmist writes, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You see, not only was the psalmist a lover of the word of God, but it was what he based his entire day upon. So the Bible is not his spiritual food, but it is the spiritual love of the psalmist. Pastors can learn much from the psalmist. You see, friends, those of you who are ministers, we must devote ourselves to immersing our person in the Bible. It is the way we know God, it is the way we lead our congregations, and it is the way we grow into conforming to the image of Christ.